0: all right so welcome everybody we have been in a series um, called won't you be my neighbor so that's why i'm wearing mr rogers shirt and in the chair that you're sitting at in case you noticed, there's a little card and it has the name of our series on it and then on the back side it gives you a little description of what is our what the series is about and so there might be some sitting next to you to the left or the right this is for you guys. You can put one on your fridge. You can put one in your car. Grab another one and give it away and invite folks to come to our church and get in on this great series that we're doing. I've already got some feedback. We went through week one last Sunday, and it was awesome. And today, though, we're, we have a special speaker, and I'm super excited, okay? Um, he doesn't know this, but he's part two of our Would You Be? Because it fits. It fits. Um, he's part two of Would You Be Our Neighbor? And so, won't you be our neighbor? And so we're really excited, I'm really excited to present him to you. He is the national coordinator for the Vineyard uh, USA. So as you all know, I'll give you a little quick, brief summary, we have a vineyard here, Doral Vineyard, and then there's vineyards in the States, like a bunch of them, close to 700, and then we have like 700 more outside of the United States. And so, um, yeah, in the USA, Pastor Bubba Justice is the national coordinator. We have a national director and a national coordinator and Pastor Bubba is here. He's gonna bring the word. So would you help me welcome Pastor Bubba Justice. We love him. Come on up.
1: Uh, really, am honored to be here. This is just such a, a fun time. I've known Abdi for about 15 years and uh, he's one of my favorite guys. He, he's been like this for 15 years. <laughs> I think he's permanently got a smile on his face. I'm so grateful for him. And uh, uh, whenever I travel, I always travel with my family. And so I just want to introduce you to them right fast. I want to introduce you to them. Right, I know it will be up here in just a second. Uh, now, if my wife was here, uh, who's standing next to me, uh, she would be appalled that I have lumpy pockets but I don't have a place to put my wallet and my keys and my phone before I got up here. Uh, We've been married since 1987 so 33 years Uh, and so we're excited about that and then uh, next to us the the bride is my oldest daughter. She got married like a year and a half ago and on Christmas Eve she says you're going to be a grand Bubba. And so uh, we're excited, the first chi- grandchild. And then, uh, of course, I've got son-in-laws, but they're not as important as the daughters. Um, <laughs> they just married into the family. My, uh, now, I really am grateful for both my son-in-laws. Then my youngest daughter, uh, it's named Caitlin Sally. Uh, she taught English in Colombia to high school students, and then she taught English to seminary students in Guatemala. So she's really bilingual, very fluent. She took a job in Houston, Texas. Uh, She was teaching first-generation immigrant children uh, Spanish. And they said, uh, why do we have to take Spanish from a gringo? She said, well, I had to take uh, English when I was in high school. And she said, well, how many countries in the world speak Spanish? And they said, we know, Ms. Justice, we know two, (laughs) Mexico and Texas. And, and so uh, I'm very grateful for my family. I'm grateful for all those things. Uh, Abdi, as he introduces, my name is Bubba Justice, and people always ask, well, is Bubba your real name? And Bubba is a real name, but it's not on my birth certificate. Uh, my given name is LG Eugene Justice, Jr. And the name rest of this. We Know Why You Go By Bubba. And, and that's actually opened up doors all over the world because when I've been in uh, Kenya and... Zimbabwe, they said, do you know that Baba means father in our language? Wow. And then when I've been talking with people who speak Mandarin, they said, do you know, Baba means father in, in our language. And, and the only place that Baba was not a good name was in Kazakhstan. In Kazakhstan, Baba means old hag <laughs> uh, from Babushka. And so they said they wouldn't let me go, but, uh, but my name, LG. Was the symbol for LG Electronics? And they would say, "Life is good." Pastor, life is good. Was my name when I was in Kazakhstan. So I'm glad to be here. I speak Southern, and so if at some point you need a translation, uh, anybody else speak Southern that would be able to get up and give a translation uh, of my. I was in Kenya one time, and I went through seven translators, and they said, "We understand English, but we don't know what you're saying." So I understand my accent gets a little thick from time to time. Uh, And today I wanna talk to you about relationships, about friendships. And so I wanna encourage you to uh, just think for a moment as we go through and go through this because I want you to know, we were not created to be dependent. And if you wanna go to the next slide, nor were we created to be independent, but we were created to be interdependent. Now, I love what this verse says in Hebrews 13, 17. Be responsive to your pastoral leaders. Listen to their counsel. They are alert to the condition of your lives and work under the strict supervision of God. Contribute to the joy of their leadership, not to its drudgery. Why would you want to make things harder for them? Now, this isn't just for Abdi. This, uh, uh a matter of fact, I only will read from the message because all the rest of them said obey your leaders, and nobody in America wants to obey any pastoral leaders. But, but the question is, who is alert to the condition of your soul? And if you've got your phone that you take notes on or you write notes down, I, I want you to actually jot it down I want want you to be able to answer who knows your soul. And we're going to go through this message, and I'm going to give you some different people that that I'm going to introduce you to some different people that can know your soul as we go through. If you want to go to the next slide. Uh, There's two characters in the Old Testament One was named David, and one was named Samson. They lived in about the same, uh, within a generation of each other. Both were called by God at a young age. Both were leaders used by God, and both failed morally. They both had a moral failure. Why is it that David fulfilled God's purpose in his life? It says of David he, that at, when he fulfilled God's purpose in his life, he died, and Samson died alone. What's the contrast? Why, why are those two things there? I'm going to submit to you this, and, and when I first heard this, I didn't believe it, and then I went through and tested it. Samson does not have a single-named friend. He has a girlfriend. He has somebody that's called his companion. But you cannot find the name of a man that was Samson's friend. But you look at the life of David, and David had lots of named friends. I mean, you can't turn around without seeing some of David's friends. And I want to go through... And and I'm going to talk about six friends that every believer needs. And it's based on a teaching by a guy named Nate Larkin. Nate Larkin was a pastor here in Fort Lauderdale, actually. Uh, Heard him at a men's retreat. It so gripped my soul that it's become my sermon. I own it more than he owns it. I have taught it in South Africa. I've taught it in Kenya. I've taught it in India. It goes across... uh, cultural lines i've taught in chicago i've taught in lots of places and everybody comes back and says man that is amazing and hopefully some of you might like it today but but the truth it's it's not about the person it's the truth of what we're going to talk about today is here are six friends everyone needs and so every one of us needs help and has help to give every single person loneliness in the United States is a huge issue. Now, I can tell you, my wife and I experienced it because after living in Birmingham, Alabama, me, for 55 years, the Holy Spirit said, move to Houston, Texas. And so we moved to Houston, Texas, and all of a sudden, we're experiencing what it means to be lonely. So I joined a gym. I said, okay, I'm going to go join a gym, and if I'm at a gym, I'll get a chance to meet people. You don't meet people in the gym. They all have earbuds in their ears listening to something, and though there's hundreds of people in a place within a few feet of each other, no one talks to one another. You can go to a restaurant and watch a family, and everyone will be on their phones. Our technology has actually caused us to be in a place where we're much lonelier than we ever have been in our lives. And I want you to know that every one of us needs a group of friends. Friends we can talk to about an honest detail about our lives. Friends with whom we can show our weakness. And, and years ago, there was a, uh, the president of the National Association of Evangelicals, a guy named Ted Haggard, who had a moral failure. In his letter to people, when he was explaining his moral failure, here's what he said. I got tired of telling people my struggles. I got tired of telling them my weaknesses. You and I have got to find men and women that we can be in community with, that we can share our hearts, and that can bear our burdens with us. And so, I'm going to take this, and this is one of the things that Nate Larkin said he read Ephesians 4:11 through13 in a different way. He says, and here is the verse of the new living translation. He God, is the one who gave these gifts to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church until we come to such a unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature, full grown in the Lord, measuring up to the full stature of Christ. And Nate Larkin said this. He said, if the church needs five types of people to make it everything it should be, how much more do we as individuals need five types of people in our lives to make us fully who God has created us to be? And so we're going to step through that. I want to add a, a sixth person called a companion. We're going to use the life of David as an illustration. And what I want you to know is that one person cannot meet all of your needs. You need a team of people, and that is beyond your spouse. And I'll just tell you, right: if you've been married more than five minutes, you have discovered that your spouse has an innate inability to meet every need that's going on in your life because god did not create us as individuals to have all of our needs met by one single person but we need a group of people in our lives uh, I, I heard Nate larkin said the six people who carry you in death need to carry you in life and so that's just an illustration that has just stepped with me that we need people to help carry us Biblically, I think back on this, just while we were worshiping, uh, there's a story in Luke 5 about a man that was paralyzed. And you remember the story where it says his friends brought him to Jesus. And when he couldn't get in, they went up on the roof and they ripped the roof off. So they lowered their friend down into the presence of Jesus so that he could be healed. And Jesus said, He looked at their faith and said, Your faith has made your friend well, and it PO'd a lot of religious people. Now, do you have friends that when you are down, when you can't get to Jesus, that will carry you to Jesus and won't just satisfy, oh, it's it's hard right there, but they would actually rip a roof off to get you into the presence of Jesus. We need those kind of men and women in our lives so that when we can't connect with Jesus, they help us connect with Jesus. And here's the thing, we don't even need those kind of people in our lives, but we need to be those kind of people to others in our lives that when their faith is down, when they're discouraged, when they can't take another step, when they doubt, all of a sudden we're the ones taking them into the presence of Jesus. We need those kind of men and women in our lives, throughout our lives, from the moment that we're little kids, all the way to the moment that we take our last breath and so i want you to look and i want to talk to you about like an apostolic friend and i'm not going to be super religious here and i'm going to give some definition and who's your apostolic friend and by that i mean who's concerned with your life purpose in first samuel 16 13 Uh, David had one of these guys in his life. His name was Samuel. It says, Samuel took the olive oil he had brought and poured it on David's head, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him from that day forward. Samuel called David into his destiny. Who calls you into your destiny? Who's that man Who's that woman? Who's that mentor in your life that when they see you, they're calling you into your destiny. They're concerned about the bigger purposes. They help you with the vision. They are consumed with your life purpose. Who's that in your life? I got a picture up there of a guy, older guy. That's Dick Dawson. He was my seventh grade Sunday school teacher. Now, there's nothing more distressing than to be with 12-year-old boys. (laughs) They have a half a brain. They don't think. Their brain isn't fully developed. They struggle. They say things that aren't right. They do stupid things. And this man, for 40 years was the 7th grade Sunday school teacher at Woodlawn Baptist in Birmingham, Alabama, and he called 7th grade Sunday school boys into their destiny. He would every week tell us, I mean, he's just real honest. He said, okay, boys, I'm going to tell the real deal. First of all, he taught us how to tithe. We would we'd write out a check every week. We'd write his checkbook out. He would have us memorize scripture verses. Then he got just real practical. He said, boys, you're going to start noticing that the girls are different, and you're going to want to go out with them, and then you're going to kiss one of them, and then you need to go get in a cold shower. (laughs) Now, I mean, just honest, discipler. And and anybody, anytime you memorize the scripture, Dick Dawson would give you a silver dollar. Man, and so I had lots of silver dollars when I was growing up. I mean, I was just so thankful. But you know, this man didn't stop when I was in seventh grade. He, every time he saw me, he says, "Baba, I believe in you, you're gonna be great one day. And when I graduated with an accounting degree, started working for the world's largest accounting firm, international accounting firm, I was a CPA. One day, the president or the head partner of Ernst & Young called me into his office in Birmingham. He said, Bubba, I played tennis today with this guy named Dick Dawson. And he told me our company is going to be the most successful company in the city of Birmingham because we have you on our staff. He's a destiny dealer. He talks about what's going to be our future. Who's that type of person in your life? And he was so influential, and I was so grateful for him that when he passed away, his wife called me up and said, Dick Dawson wanted you to have all the silver dollars he had left. And you know, I carry around in my wallet a coin dollar because I know that there's someone that believed in my destiny. And any time I want, when I get discouraged, when I get down, all I got to do is just open up my wallet and be so encouraged by looking at said there was a man who believed in me despite my fact that I was a knucklehead seventh-grader boy. Now, the reason I talk about him is, you know, you had a bunch of kids up here a few moments ago. And every time I see kids in church, I wonder who's going to be the Dick Dawson to them. Who's going to be the men, who's going to be the women who's going to invest in those children that 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 40 years ago, this man invested in my life, and I'm standing here before you because he was not afraid to invest in me. Are you going to be that for somebody else's life? And and again, I just want to encourage you to think about that. Who's that apostolic friend in your life? Who calls you to your destiny? Who's... Your prophetic friends. Who's that friend that's concerned with what God wants? Who, you know, oftentimes they're not very popular. David had a guy in his life, he was called Nathan. And David got into a sexual sin. And Nathan, even though he could have been killed, went to David, confronted David, said, You are that man. And the Lord, the God of Israel says, and he just said, you're going to, be, you're going to suffer the consequences of it." You know, the thing about uh, prophetic people, they're the ones that can hear God's voice, God's perspective. They may not be very popular. They're concerned with what God wants. They will spoil your party if your party needs to be spoiled. This is a picture of a woman that was in the church that I pastored in Birmingham, Alabama for 23 years. Her name's Janita Cook, trained counselor, uh, seminary trained counselor, but she prayed for me every Wednesday for 17 years. I would go in, I'd have her pray for me, she'd come over, I'd tell her things I was going through. One day, we were talking uh, and I was getting some prayer because... There's some issues that I had with my mother and I said, well, she did the best she could. And uh, Janita said to me, no, your mother didn't. She abandoned you. She abused you. She neglected you. And she went through this whole thing because see, my mother had married a, a man who came into our house. And when I was seven years old, I was exposed to pornography. And then when I was 12, had Cinemax, HBO into my room and could watch practically X-rated movies. He had every pornographic magazine that was there. So even though I was a Christian, even though I loved Jesus, man, I was exposed to all of this mess. Even to the point that to this day, if you were to look on my phone, and anybody's welcome to, uh, I have covenant eyes on my phone. I have covenant eyes on my computer. I have covenant eyes on my iPad because there's something in me that's drawn towards pornography. And I said, I've got to have these safeguards. I've got to have prophetic people in my life that if I step across a line, that they will challenge me. So I've got another guy, former youth pastor, who worked for me who's like one of those prophetic guys, and he's my Covenant Eyes partner. And you're, okay, Baba, what's this? Now, I can't get to any porn sites on here because I've got adult block content blocked on here, but there's a lot of places that are close to that. And I felt like the Lord said to me years ago, he said, we need to acknowledge that there are real battles that go on today, not in the distant past. And so I've got to have prophetic people in my life that keep me from going off the edge who's that prophetic person in your life who's that person that that spoils your party that confronts you when you need to be confronted do you have someone in your life like that when you do sometimes you try to avoid them especially when you mess up now who's your evangelistic friends Who's that person that's concerned with always bringing others? And this is the one thing in David's life that the illustration breaks down, so I'm not going to try to pretend there's some character in David's life that does that. But they're the, the friendly people. They're the ones that's always inviting other people into your life. Who's that in your life? I got a picture up there. That's my sister and I when we were... Three and two years old, uh, and we were raised almost like twins. My sister is one of those evangelistic people. When I was in church, she was the number one inviter, includer of people in our church. Every week, she was inviting someone to church, and sometimes they wouldn't come back. And I said, Rhonda, what's wrong? She said, Well, they were under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and and they didn't like being confronted in their sin. And, and just as we were here, I, I felt prompted by the Lord to share this. Uh, my sister's just come back into my life just a few years ago because she had walked away from the Lord. She had some things that triggered some trauma from our childhood that she then abandoned her family and... I remember begging her please don't leave your family don't leave your children and and she wouldn't listen to me it was so bad I couldn't talk to her for six months I did not have the emotional capacity to talk to her then her husband was talking to her who she had abandoned she'd gone and lived with she'd left him to live with a man And when they were going through the divorce at the divorce attorney's office, my brother-in-law looked at my sister and said, you need to get your butt back into church. And then a few weeks later was Easter. And he called her up and said, are you going to church for Easter? And she said, well, no, I don't know where to go. He said, well, why don't you come to the vineyard? She said, I can't come there. People know everything that they all know what I did and how I abandoned you. He says, no, you come and you sit next to me. He says, well, she said, I just feel uncomfortable because I'd be leaving my boyfriend at home. He said, no, you bring him to church and you sit next to me. And on Easter morning, I was sitting in the parking lot. My sister drove up with her boyfriend And the first person to go greet them was the man that she had abandoned less than nine months ago. And he shook their hand, and he brought them into church, and he sat them down next to him. And that was the beginning of her being restored to God. Amen. but I just felt prompted by the Holy Spirit that there's some of you this morning that have a situation that you can identify that story with. And there's someone that God wants restored to his kingdom, and he wants you to be the one to bring restoration. Restoration. What I'd like you to do is just jot that person's name down. If, if Whoever brings it up. No, matter of fact, how often does a, a speaker get up and say, hey, everybody get your phone out. And I want you to text that person right now. So do you know what? I'm in church right now, and God just brought you to my mind. And I just want you to know I'm praying for you. That's all I want you to do. I want you to text them or send them a Facebook message, send them an email. Uh, maybe some of you have got to go home and get your rotary dial phone out and, and call them. Write them a note. But just now, just let them know I'm in church and God brought you to my mind. And I want you to know I'm praying for you. You're going to be surprised. Matter of fact, Abdi, I'd love to hear the stories of what God does from that. So, are you that type of person in somebody else's life? I'd imagine Abdi might be that type of person. If I'm around Abdi, he's going to introduce me to someone new. Who's that type of person in your life? Who are you in that in someone else's life? Who's... So we talked about an apostolic friend. What does an apostolic friend do? Call you to your purpose, your destiny. What does a prophetic person do? Tell you what God wants. wants. Absolutely. Spoils your party when your party needs spoiled. What does an evangelistic person do? Brings others into your life. Now we're going to look at a pastoral person. And this is not just Abdi. It's not just the staff. Who's your pastoral friend? Who's concerned with how you are? 1 Samuel 23, 16 speaks of a guy named Jonathan who went to find David, encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. Who feels what you feel? Who's concerned with your heart? Who's not judgmental? Who can you tell them anything and they will not judge you? Who's that? The guy that I have a picture up there is John Stearns. He happens to be another pastor friend of mine from Nashville, Tennessee. And if, I, if you were to look at our text chain every week, John Stearns calls me or texts me and says, how you doing? You hanging in there? You're encouraged? He cares for my soul. Who cares for your soul? Who's that friend that loves you, that just is concerned with how you're doing? See, when Martin Luther, who was the founder of the Protestant Reformation, the primary voice, started the Reformation, he said, we're going to restore the priesthood to the believers. So often in our church system, we look and we expect Men and women who are on staff to do all these functions, when the reality is, every single one of you, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, have been called to be a priest and a king, a holy nation, a royal priesthood is what the scripture says. Who's your pastoral friend? Who do you pastor? And then finally, or next to last, Who's your teacher friend? Who's concerned with teaching you the truth? In 1 Chronicles 15, 11 through 13, we have a story about David who summoned the priests Zadok and Abiathar because when they had gone to move the Ark of the Covenant, they moved it wrong. Some people died. He said, hey, we need to move it right this time. And he called the priest uh, uh, they said we failed to ask God how to move it in the proper way they're the friends in your life who make sense out of stuff who can explain things who can bring order out of chaos who's that for you who's your teacher friend this is my nanny this is my grandmother this is the person that made Jesus real to me remember first scripture verse I ever memorized two, three years old, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life see I never doubted the Bible and I'm one of those weird folks in today's culture because my nanny made Jesus real my nanny taught me what it meant to be real. See, she and my grandfather started a mission for homeless people and alcoholics in 1943. And my grandfather died in 1944 when my gran- when my mother grandmother was pregnant with my mother. And from 1940s and the 1950s and the 1960s and 1970s and the 1980s, my grandmother ran an evangelical mission in the city of Birmingham where most of the clergy did not believe in women leaders but they believed in her and i remember praying her praying that god would provide food and he provided food and clothes and he provided clothes that when i'd been abused by my stepfather as A second grader, I remember just crying. She said, Baba, take it to Jesus. You've got to forgive. You cannot become bitter. She taught me my whole life, even when she came to the end of her her time of running the mission. She was 70 years old. And someone had given the mission some valuable property in the city of Birmingham. And some board members wanted to sell it. And she said, no, we're not going to sell it. This is to be used for the kingdom. And so they accused her of having affairs with the homeless men. She's a 70-year-old woman. And it so made the pastors in Birmingham angry that they told my 70-year-old grandmother, we will pull our funding from the mission you've led for 50 years and we'll help you start a new mission. Pastor of the largest Presbyterian church, pastor of the largest Baptist church. Also, we're gonna support you and here's what she said if you do that the newspapers will get hold of it and Jesus name will be defamed I would rather suffer wrong than to have Jesus name slandered in our city see she taught me Jesus is real and I want you to know Jesus is real today if any of you don't know this real Jesus, you can know him today. And, and, it, and it just starts with something as simple as saying, God, if you're real, I want to know that you're real. And I promise you a prayer. You don't have to have a magic prayer. Matter of fact, in the South, I think sometimes we put more confidence in saying a prayer than we do in the person of Jesus Christ. If you call on the name of Jesus, whosoever shall call on the name of Jesus will be saved. And don't, don't worry about the words. But if you want to know he's real, I know at the end of the service we'll have a time to pray. And we'll, there'll be some people with you to help pray that Jesus is real. Now, one of the reasons I included the picture of my grandmother, because I have other teachers in my life is that some of you have the ability to influence your children, your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren. You're one of these people that carry your family to the feet of Jesus. I want to encourage some of us need to listen to our mother or father or grandmother or grandfather, or great-grandmother or great-grandfather, because they're the ones that can take us to the feet of Jesus. Who's... Your teacher friend and then finally who's your companion friend this is the sixth one it's an extra one I'm not saying this is canonical that this is in the Bible that you have to have this person uh, but if you look at the life of David he had this guy named Benaiah he was with David from the beginning he was with David when he died he was just always there David made him the commander of his bodyguard. These are the people that are with you in good and bad times. They can, tell, they can call you anytime. They ask, what are you thinking? They know your whole story. Who's that for you? This is a picture of my former worship leader who actually went on staff before I did, Steve Cole. Steve is and was one of my closest friends. And he wasn't afraid to challenge me, even though I was the boss. One day I called the church to a fast, and I said, we're going to fast. So it was. we fasted over the weekend. It was Tuesday. We were having a staff meeting. After staff meeting, he pulled me aside and said, Bubba, anything you're accomplishing by fasting, you're undoing by your attitude. Go get a hamburger. <laughs> that was the word of the Lord to me that night. I mean, do you have people that can challenge you like that? Do you have friends like that that just that just tell the truth? So, I want you to be deliberate about bi- building your friend team. You need at least 6. So just a question, who in here has all 6 in your life? You've identified all 6? I see just three or four, five, six hands. Okay. How many people have five of the six? Anybody else? Four? It's a couple. That's four. Three? Uh, A few. Two? One? None? (laughs) So, this week, what I'd like for you to do is to ask the Lord to begin to help you find these six friends who give you life and they can be trusted. And then I want you to contact them this week. So, as we were going through this, one more experiment. How many people in here, you're that apostolic friend to to people in your life? And how many apostolic friends? We got a few in here. How many people spoil the party when the party needs spoiling? (laughs) Oh, those hands went up quick. How many are like those evangelistic friends? You're always bringing other people into people's lives. Excellent. How many of you are that pastor friend that you love people just where they are? And that's great. How many of you are the teacher friends that, that you're concerned with the truth? See, if you were to look, if you would have been in my position, you would have seen it spread out all through here. And here's what's amazing. None of you feel like you've got to go by the name apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Because you're just the body of Christ. So if you'll stand, we're going to pray. And again, I want to say last night, I was studying for a class that I'm taking, uh, and as I was studying it, I came across this passage. I had to uh, I had to study this passage for school, and I just felt like that it was for people that were go- here. It was for my own family. It's out of Isaiah 53, 4 through 5, the NRSV. It talks about Jesus, and it says. Surely he has borne our infirmities and carried our diseases. Yet we accounted him stricken and struck down by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the punishment that made us whole. And by his bruises we are healed. And I've got my sister and an aunt that are dying of cancer. They, they're fighting cancer. My aunt is dying. They give like her two years. Just as I read that scripture, I was just reminded, Jesus carries our diseases. And if you have a disease today, if you have a sickness, here's the thing, we believe God's real. And he's not just distant, but he's right Right here, right now, in our lives, and if you have a sickness or a disease, we're going to have the ministry team pray for you in just a moment. And so, I'd like to invite up the ministry team. If you want to come up, and and I'll uh, anybody that's been trained in praying for other people.
0: No, tag team, tag Abdi into this. If you're the ministry team, prayer team, if you guys would come up, why don't you guys come up here? Um, If you're here and this message has spoke to you, you're like, man, I needed this, I'm just going to invite you to come up to the front and you can get prayer. Um, And as we were praying earlier, we felt like there might be a few folks here that this might resonate with you. If that's you, you can feel free to come up as well and get prayer. Um, But we felt like someone here needed to hear that as a follower of Jesus, we need to be aware of the enemy that the enemy, the Bible teaches us, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And there may be someone here or more than one person here who feels like they have been stolen from. And I want to tell you that the one behind that thing that was stolen is the enemy. He is stealing from you because you have something he wants. And you are valuable. And he wants to steal from your life, the life that God offers. And so let's not let the enemy steal any more from you. And so if that's you, you feel like, yes, that's me, uh, we want to invite you to come up and get prayer. Christian, you can come up to any one of these and and get prayer, any one of our prayer team, and they'd love to pray for you. Um, Because we believe that God wants to return to you what the enemy has stolen from you and give you way more than what you think was stolen from you. Next, we thought there might be someone here or more than one person who has been questioning if God is there. You've been asking God, are you really there? There are others of you that have been asking, where are you, God? And so if that's you, we want to invite you to come up and get prayer because we believe God's word for you is that because you have made Christ your Savior, Christ is always with you. And lastly, we thought there might be someone here or more than one person who's been struggling with these three things, God's faith, God's love, and God's hope. And if that's you today, please come up and get prayers so that we can stand with you as God fills you with those three things in Jesus' name. And as Pastor Bubba was sharing, you know, he was talking about having Jesus in your life. And I, I just, maybe you're here today and under the sound of my voice, and you're like, yeah, that's not me. I, I don't have Jesus in my life. And I, I really want Jesus to come in and save me, and make me new. I want to I, I wanna just invite you to come and receive Jesus. Um, there, there are probably some of you here that would say, you know what, I, I feel like I'm so far from God, but yet I want him so much. I feel like I'm so far, how can I ever get there? Well, understand clearly that you cannot work yourself there. It is impossible. Scripture says that the only way that you'll ever be saved is by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ alone. The Bible says that it is never, ever by works, and I want you to hear that. You have no ability to work your way to God. It is impossible. Your sin separates you from a holy God who cannot even look upon sin. That's why it's so important for Jesus, the Son of God, to be born of a virgin. He did not inherit the sin nature that was passed on through the Father. His Father was Father God in heaven, who had no sin. And so Jesus lived a perfect life as the innocent Lamb of God without any kind of blemish so that he could be our sacrifice. Jesus died in our place on the cross. He became sin. He died with it. He rose again, and on the third day, and now Scripture says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone. Anyone who calls in the name. You may feel like you're here and you're so far from God. It doesn't matter. You draw near to him and he will draw near to you. You call in his name. Jesus, save me. And there are others of you. You grew up around the church and in the church like I did. And as you thought you were okay, but you woke up one day and you realize, you know what? I'm not. I, I don't really trust him. I don't really know him. There's no spiritual fruit in my life. And I've heard the story, but I've never fully connected to him. Jesus, save me. Either group that you're in, as you call on him in a moment, you will be born anew. His Holy Spirit will fill you, and you will be able to to, take, to, to talk to him, to hear from him, and you'll be, you'll be different. You will have power that only comes from heaven, and you will be changed to become more like God's son, Jesus Christ. And if that's your prayer today, you say, Jesus, save me. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I give my life to you. If that's your prayer, I just want to invite you to lift your hand high right now. Just lift it up and leave it up all over this place. I see that hand up here in the front. I see that hand over here in the front. I see that hand in the second row. God bless you. I see that hand right there, back there in the second row, up here in the front. I see that hand. I see that hand over here. I see those two hands over there in the second row. I see that hand in the front row. I see those two hands in the back in the second row back there. God bless you. God is in the house today, and I want to invite all of us to pray this prayer aloud. Everybody pray this prayer. Nobody prays alone. Pray this prayer like you mean it. Pray with everything you got. Nobody prays alone. Everybody just say, Heavenly Father, save me from my sins. I repent, and I turn to you. Fill me with your spirit so I could obey you so I could follow you, make me new, make me like you. Because you died for me, empower me to live for you. Jesus, take my life forever. It's yours. In Jesus' name, I pray. DV, would you just celebrate with me? Would you just say amen and celebrate with me that people have said yes to Jesus for the very first time. God bless you. God bless you.